Well, Gabriel Moreno, Kevin Barker has arrived. Not only has he arrived, got back-to-back games, including uh, yesterday's 6-0 win over the Detroit Tigers, and now the Jays get ready for a four-game series against the Baltimore Orioles starting tonight. And then a big early season series, I think we can say, against the New York Yankees, who are, uh, I mean, essentially they've basically running away with the division at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But uh, lots to talk about. Again, Gabriel Moreno, one for four in his debut on Saturday. I uh, had a run scored. He caught Victor Reyes stealing. Bo Bichette made the error, but it goes down as a caught stealing. Caught Kevin Gossman. Yesterday caught Ross Stripling. Give us your insights on what you've seen. Early days, I get all that. But what you've seen from the first two days of Gabriel Moreno. Well, the first, there's two things. He, he looks very athletic, which is, I think, the word around everybody you talk to about him that has, when, when we haven't seen him play live, is how athletic he is. And you see his time to first base, he ground out, and, you know, how fast of a runner he is. He looks like he'll be a solid base runner, which is a big deal. Behind the plate, you can tell his movements, the way he, yeah, he gets in front of baseballs, just uh, how early he sets up, everything that it takes to be – Dare I say, an everyday catcher at the big league level this early in his career? Now, how how would that how would that take place when Danny Jansen gets back? Who knows? But right now, uh, you know that the defensive side of it for me, he's not going to hurt the team offensively. Not real sure what he's going to give you there. It's it, he does have a a weird hand movement. It's late. Uh, you know they they talk about the the power is good one year, the next year it's really not there. It's non-existent. Why is that? It just looks like he's he's you know, has some things going on with his hands that maybe be wasted movement that they, I'm sure, will correct. But he looks 22. <laughs> How about that? Like, he just looks, everything looks quick. His office movements look quick. Uh, he looks like a young kid who's not going to hurt their team, who can catch, uh, keep the pace of the game going with certain guys on the mound. Ross Stripling, you could tell, didn't shake a lot. They were on the same page. Actually, Ross said he shot. He Ross said he did shake him more than usual. He, he did, did shake off more than usual. Well, he didn't look that way to me. But it's it's you know again this gets back to you know what, how soon you set up. What if you can be on the same page? It's impossible to be on the same page with a guy that you've never caught before. That was but it's what that. Ross it's, said. Yeah, it's that. It's that. Uh, you know, you, you don't make it look like, that way. He may have said that, but it's just the optics of the whole thing. The way he set up is as quick as they got the. You know, uh, it was more of when he uses his little pitch com. Mm -hmm. You're not doing anything. You're just basically standing there until he gets the right one and you shake to it. It's not a, I'm going to shake to it. So it just looked like the flow of the game was was decent. And Yeah, there was certainly, I mean, there was certainly no confusion. Uh, That's a better way to say when, it. Sure. Even, even when Ross, and Ross did say afterwards that, you know, I, I shook just because, I mean, it's basically the first time the guy's caught me other mm -hmm. than the bullpen. But both he and Kevin Gossman were really... Uh, were really complimentary to uh, towards Gabriel Moreno. I thought it was interesting that Moreno walked out very early to Kevin Gossman after that that walk to Javier Baez and just kind of said, "You okay? <laughs> you good?" And, uh, and Gossman mm -hmm. kind of got a got a chuckle out of that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, he he looks like he belongs. And and you know, I don't know what people's expectations are for him offensively. I, I don't I, either. I, I I don't have any, and I don't mean that with any disrespect to the guy, I just want this team to win. I want him to contribute to it winning, whether it's defensively through calling a good game, throwing out base runners. If this team 
continues to hum offensively. And if the guy at first base gets it going, I'll take whatever Gabriel Moreno gives me offensively. That's big. Uh, for me, he can't hit 200. Uh, like, he's top pro- – yeah, uh, well, we're going to circle we, back around that top prospect thing. Right. you you got to show a little bit of – you have an, an idea at the plate. Now, he does have a two-strike approach. The The barrel awareness is a little bit better. It's impossible to to show what he does until he gets the two strikes with his hands. It's, it's just an odd thing that you rarely see. It's a lot of movement that he doesn't need at the big league level, and that would scream in and elevated, which obviously they don't know who he is and they don't know how to get him out. And, and you know, the first time that he gets jammed and hits a ball to second base and, and grounds out, sort of like what I did. I, I was, I, it was smooth sailing until Kevin Brown threw me that, that chainsaw thing in off the plate, and I jammed myself and hit a ground ball to second base, and everybody started thinking, well, maybe we can get him out in there. And it sort of went south from there. So it's he's right-handed. He's going to face a bunch of right-handed pitchers. He's going to face a, a bunch of that sinker and slider away thing. Can he lay off the slider? Can he elevate the sinker? Can he stay through the baseball? Can he be on time? That's the one thing with the hand movement. You know where he starts until he gets two strikes. You saw the games. It's sort of that laid back. And most people who start there, they do that because they want to feel the barrel. It's easier to feel it other than it being straight up and down, which is what he does with two strikes because all he wants to do with two strikes is throw the barrel at the baseball. It's a shorter, quicker movement. That's why, for me, I really don't understand why he doesn't do that with 0 one earlier in counts. But, again, this is I'm picking at this thing. I'm, I just go by what I saw. The bottom line is he's athletic, not going to hurt their team. And that's the two big things going into this. You asked about expectations. That was mine. Does he look like in September, if he's still here and they're in it, he's not going to hurt their team. Like they, they would feel comfortable going into the playoffs with a 22-year-old behind the plate catching Kevin Gosman. That would be the thing. And right now, just by early behind the plate, forget about the offense. Me, he can't hit 200. That's the one thing. You, you ask, well, what do you expect him offensively? Don't hit 200. Hit 240, and it gets some, you know, some uh, occasionally a big hit with a runner on second base, and and that's okay, and, and act like you know what you're doing behind the plate, and it looked like he he knows that. Ross Stripling got the start yesterday. He is filling in for Hyunjin Ryu. I I don't think he's filling in for Hyunjin Ryu. I'll just let's just say it. He's replaced Hyunjin Ryu in the Blue that Jays boy. rotation. Uh, we'll wait and see what the final diagnosis is on Ryu's elbow, but. Um, I, and I hate to say this, and again, this is no disrespect to Hyunjin Ryu, but if Ross Stripling keeps doing this, nobody's going to be pining for Hyunjin Ryu. Um, now, granted, Stripling's two starts have been against the Royals and the Tigers. He actually had six innings pitched, one hit, four strikeouts. But Kevin, as I pointed out uh, yesterday on Blue Jays Talk, you know, he has started after two Blue Jays losses and has won those games. And yes, the Royals and the Tigers are scuffling, but those, you know, it's out of those wins, those wins prevent little mini losing streaks from happening at a time where you're chasing a team that doesn't appear as if it's going to lose. I've, that's a great point. Uh, for, for me, the pace is good. The mechanics he's figured out, he's perfected what he wants to do. It's simple. He's not tipping pitches anymore. Uh, the confidence in the secondary pitches, we know, you know, not being predictable. That, for me, has nothing to do with sequencing and the middle of counts. That has to do with OO and what do you do with two strikes. OO, he could flip it in there. He could go away with a fastball. Uh, what Yesterday, he threw four different pitches for strike one. That's a big deal. If I'm a good hitter 
and I want to ambush and I want to be aggressive and I think I can get the head out, just knowing that he can throw four different pitches for strikes to righties or lefties. That's not one-sided. He feel comfortable in throwing a slider to a lefty. It's backdoor. It's not back foot. It's back door. It, and that's a little bit more of that cutter look than that slider look. And everybody knows what a cutter looks like. It's side to side instead of two to seven or two to six or however, two to eight or however you want to call really when he want to get it out there and snap it off. So I, so I like that part of it. And I, and I mentioned this, this to you off uh, uh, yesterday after the game, and I said that he doesn't want to be, and I heard them say this to somebody, and I don't have any idea who, I apologize for that, I don't remember who he said it to, but he said there, there, is, a, there, there is a certain way that the Blue Jays want to be, and that's about trying to win 100 games. And you have a certain expectation when you go to that mound to look like a team that's supposed to win 100 games. And for him to actually say that out loud mm-hmm. tells you how he feels mechanically, how he feels confidence-wise, how he feels and how fans should feel when he goes to the mound that they could get, he's going to give them a chance no matter who the team is. And you mentioned the two teams. It's not his fault he faces Kansas City and Detroit. They stink. Bottom line, you still got to go out there and you got to do the little things to gain confidence so when you do face the big-time teams, the American League East, that the changeup, the arm speed is going to be good. The location is going to be good. The sequencing with the changeup is going to be good. You'll throw it. You can throw it three times in a row. You feel comfortable in doing that. So I'm with you. Like Ryu, who? I hate to say it that way, but sort of this is when you're in a competing year where it's about winning a World Series and that's all it's about. You got a guy that comes in here that looks the way he looks. I'm okay facing every time, every fifth day, I'm okay with Ross Stripling throwing the baseball. You talked about the first pitch on OO counts. Four different pitches he threw, fastball, three different secondary pitches. Two strikes. What do we see him use mostly? Change up, fastball away, fastball up. Fastball is two different pitches. You can yeah. Most guys with two strikes can't do the all around, right? It's I'm going to go in. Or I can elevate. It's it's you know you, it's very hard for a guy who throws ninety one to ninety three. It's not ninety eight. It's ninety one ninety three. It's got to be located good and that sequencing of how you set it up. And you know it's a little bit of surprise to a hitter. Oh, it's a fastball with two strikes. So he'll go away with a, to a lefty. He'll go away to a righty. He'll elevate it. He'll elevate it up and into a righty. Which mechanically, that's not a real easy pitch to get in there because your miss has to be good. Again, it's not ninety seven. It's 91, 93, and most of the time it's 91. So you got to be real fine with that. And, again, get back to those misses. Those misses are a lot better years past because he was real worried about tipping pitches and mechanics and where's my hands at and where's my feet going and where's my foot landing and all the things that you think about as being a really good pitcher. He's not thinking about those anymore, and you can see it. The misses are really good. The fastball is rarely down the middle which you can't do that at the big league level. It's rare. Sometimes it is, you know, just because he's trying to get ahead and depending on where he's at in the lineup. He doesn't want to walk a certain hitter. He'll attack a little bit more. He's not nibbling as much. How do you not like him? I know I do. So we also saw Kevin Gossman and Jose Barrios pitch this this weekend. And um, this to me, the Jays take two or three from the Tigers. But this to me was the story of the weekend, non-Gabriel Moreno related. And that was the fact that Jose Barrios nearly got a complete game on Friday. What, eight innings pitched, five hits, five strikeouts, one walk. Kevin Gossman, six innings pitched, six hits, four strikeouts, uh, three walks, mind you. But we needed to see from Barrios a continued 
step towards looking more like the guy the Jays saw last year. It has not been the smoothest of starts for Jose Barrios, to say the least. And with Kevin Gossman, of course, we're coming off the whole, was it pitch tip? Whatever it was, we're coming off those outings against the Mariners and the Twins in particular, where it appeared as if teams were just not interested in, in, they were just spitting on the splitter, basically. They're just spitting on it. Um, And that led to suggestions that perhaps he was tipping pitches. Perhaps there was something about hitters being able to notice the pitch because of his arm angle. Um, All of that stuff you talked about, I think he needed he needed to throw his splitter, not slower, but he needed to take a little more off the splitter. You were worried about the velocity on his pitches then. Um, what have you seen? He did 35 split fingers. He had one called strike with the split finger. He's not doing that. Like that, that aiming, that's basically aiming a split finger and not having it do what you want it to do. And you're going to get in trouble doing that against good teams. The two, the two starts that he had where he thought he was tipping pitches, those are two good lineups. Seattle got a good lineup, and so does the Twinkies. The Twinkies are going to make you throw strikes, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to hit the ball out of the yard a bunch, but they're going to make you throw strikes. A lot of them can use the entire field, and they got that if it's up, swing at it. If it's down, let it go. They got that. Like, the guy can go up and actually think that and execute it. So, for me, it was more that than it was him tipping pitches. Now, you did see him trying to work the heater around a little bit more. He's got a new catcher back there. You know, it's more of that mm, trying to – Get him to go over, you know, you're mm-hmm. using facial, get him to go that way, which is, you know, sort of what you do with a young guy. Like, mm-mm, you're trying to, you yeah. know. <laughs> a little more, go, a little more to go, the left. That's right. Go, go, go that way. So you're trying to get a little bit. So he did mix it around. He did throw what he threw, 18 sliders. He threw enough of those for strikes. That'll put put it in a hitter's mind that he can throw that. He'll throw it in a lot of different counts. What did you say, That's though? A big you, deal. you noticed one called strike? One call strike with on the split splitter. That's not. It's that's that, not. That's not what we. You know that that starting higher and having it as a strike, and again, some of those to me look like changeups. They they are registered as split fingers because mm-hmm. they're exactly the same speed. His changeup is about a half a mile an hour slower than his split finger. Good luck figuring out whether that's a split finger or a changeup. For me, the ones that look like strikes are changeups. Now, again, I have no idea, and I haven't asked anybody about that, nor would they tell you, which they shouldn't tell you. Yeah. I, but it looked to me like those were change-ups, so that could have been an easier way for him to sort of, you know, choke the baseball off, get a little deeper into your palm, throw that thing as hard as you can, and get it to stay in the strike zone to maybe steal some strikes that way, and then have your tunnel split finger off the changeup, and that one dives instead of having the sink motion that your changeup would have. So maybe that was the a little bit of an adjustment that he made, but and I said this to you after the game when we did uh, Jay's talk. Let's see him do it against a good team. I this doing it against the Tigers. The Tigers are atrocious. Like I, I, I there's no easier way to say it. Like they're not a good team. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for him to go out and do what he did, this is exactly what he was supposed to do. It's like the Barrios start. Barrios supposed to go eight innings against Detroit. Let's see him do that in his next. Well, his next start will be against the Orioles. Yeah. Well, you know, he's supposed to do that against the Orioles, too. Right. But then his next starts will be against some really good teams. Let's see him do that. Let's see him have the confidence. Now, Barrios is not hunting velocity. You can tell that. He's not turning around as much and looking at the mm-hmm. scoreboard, which is sort of what a hitter does. Hitter, when he ain't getting no hits, he'll hunt hits, and he'll look up at the scoreboard and go, dang, 
That thing's under 200. It's a big deal. Right, well, you know, Matt Chapman, they're trying to sell that. He's hitting baseballs hard. Ah, it's under 200. Like, it's it's not hard. It's not easy sell to a guy because that big giant scoreboard says under 200 of what the khakis are telling you. So, pitchers are no different. They want to see that the velocity, when it comes out mechanically, everything I've worked on from day two after my start to the time I'm making my start is working. Like everything that Pete Walker's telling me, if it comes out and I do this and I'm hiding this and I stay connected and my front foot lands in the same spot and I really get it out there and I finish it and I turn around the mile per hour is like four mile per hour off. Mm-hmm. Why? And then it adds doubt. But he's you can tell his first pitch was about 94. His last pitch with his fastball is 94. So he's gotten that taken care of. And that may be the most important part out of all this. Now he knows he's got that in the tank. He doesn't have to be as fine with that. And he's a spin guy. So if he just gets it out there and has the good, you know, finish with it, and he can really snap his fingers and get that thing to break. Because he did have a couple different ones. He had the 12-6 one. He had the, you know, the back foot one. He had the slurvy one. So he can manipulate that and change the the grip with the thumb and do all the things that you do with the finger. But I really do, for me anyway, I think it has a lot to do with that fastball velocity. When he's got that and the sinker, is moving with velocity. He's got confidence in throwing it a little bit more, and he's got confidence in not nibbling with it. Mm-hmm. You know as well as anybody, when you nibble, when you fall behind, and I'm not the smartest of hitters, but I can guess along and maybe get away from the spinner and have a better chance of getting that hater, you can do damage on it. So all systems go with the confidence-wise, both those guys, I think. A couple of hitters I want to talk about uh, out of the gate. And, and we should mention uh, Matt Chapman missed yesterday's game with a sore right wrist. Uh, I did see, I believe, Charlie use the phrase sprain or strain. I want to make sure I get it right. Strain, yeah. which, you know, What's can, the difference? can be, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, can be a variety of things, but it's something that will clear, clearly need monitoring. Uh, Santiago Espinal was at third base for the Jays yesterday. But I want to talk about Vladdy Guerrero's series. Uh, five for 14, two homers and a double. Uh, looked, I, to me, looked a little more, looked a little more like the Vladdy I'm used mm-hmm. to seeing. I don't know what you saw in that. And I also want to ask you about Kevin Biggio. Uh, came into the game nine for 32 with an 827 OPS. Hadn't struck out in 24 plate appearances. Struck out yesterday in his first plate appearance. Had a couple of doubles, though, so... That, uh, that that would make, I guess he's now 11, 11 for 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he is a 11 for 36. Sorry. Right. Uh, so let's talk about those those two hitters. Start, start with Vladdy. We're still, we're still waiting, aren't we? We're still waiting. Uh, for me, anyway, from what I've noticed, he faces a good pitcher and go down in a way he has real issue with that. That is his kryptonite. He, for whatever reason, doesn't see spin out of the hand. Uh, whether that's he's worked on it so much in the cage that now when he gets in the game, when he, as soon as he sends it, sees it spinning away, he's swinging at it. And so until he gets away from, okay, I'm going to give you that. That's my kryptonite. I'm sorry. Mike Trout has kryptonite. It's elevated hater. Like he'll ambush it, and when he's looking for it, he gets it started sooner. He gets that back barrel back here sooner, and he'll get it going and, and add link to it, but he has to be looking for it. Until Vladdy, for me, shows me that he can get the foot down, get in an athletic position like he did on the homer. There's no thinking in that. You can see him he's churning. Like mm-hmm. everything is just a he, – he thinks it so much through every single bat. Why are you so good? Why are you doing that? 
I don't, that's for me. Forget about the mechanics. He's late. Like, forget about the – he is late a lot of the times except the home run that he hit. Now, a couple of the home runs are on off-speed pitches, which is just atrocious pitching. You get you can get back to that, too. I hate to be the captain obvious here because Vladdy is an elite hitter, and I'm going to always on this show talk about Vladdy differently and not talk about everybody else. Yeah. I'm just, that's just the way it's going to be. Do you think there's a tendency for teams to – regardless of what Vladdy's stats are, treat Vladdy as if he's on a heater. You know, he, he could be one for 14 coming into the series against your team, but you're treating him as if he's 10 for 14. Do, do, do you think teams teams still... I'm sure I'm sure they think about, like St. Louis talked about Vladdy, like you're not going to, even though his numbers say you pitch to him, yeah. there's still Vladdy, and you're going to not let him beat you in a certain series. You're going to make everybody else beat you. For me, it's... Heater in off the plate, and if you're right-handed, just get it close on mm-hmm. something spinning down and away. That's a, it's right now he's an easy out if you can do that. But when you run into teams who can't do that, Kansas City, Detroit. Detroit's got a good pitching staff who, for whatever reason, just couldn't locate certain pitches. But when they did locate them and they'd speed him up and slow him down, he would chase, and he didn't look like a real good hitter. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Like, is that mechanics? Oh, look, for me, all season he's been late. Late, late could be numerous things. He has lots of parts to his swing. That fruition of his gather, you know, he has two parts of that. He starts, he stops, he starts again. That's why good hitters you rarely, if ever, see do that. Because it's very – a lot of the times, if you're not on time with both of those, you play catch-up, Jeff. And when you play catch-up with your barrel, what's it do? It dips below your top hand, and when it does, that – basically eliminates length with your barrel through your swing, which that's all good hitters do that better than bad hitters. Bad hitters, a lot of the time, have that alligator thing where their barrel's in and it's out, in and it's out. And that's why you always see guys, they try and finish their swing off of tees to add length to it. Well, Blatty, for whatever reason, as sort of has, he's late with the second little start that he has. He's playing catch up with his front hip which creates the barrel going below the hands, which creates the, 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 the sort of little alligator thing where you see the ground ball to third, you see the ground ball to second base, and he chases. <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's getting real hard to even have conversations about Vladdy because one day he looks like Vladdy. The next day he looks like he's never picked up a bat before. So how do you talk about it? Like it's... It's sort of that if a pitcher has the ability to expand early and expand a lot ahead in the count, I don't want to say he has no chance because that's wrong and that's bad analysis, but you got a real good chance of either getting him to roll over with Fanny out, losing his lower half and having little either weak contact to second or the weak contact roll, roll over to shortstop, or he hits the little lazy pop-up early in account, and he's very frustrated. So, uh, long-winded answer, I just do believe this is me. There's too much going on between the years. It's everything that he's being told and everything he works on is, even though he's having some success the last couple of games, it's just not always translating, and you can see it. You can actually see, like, early in counts, first at bat, a umpire is just makes a bad call, which you should be used to that. Like, yeah. you should be used to, turns around, just devastates him and ends his entire day. Like you're an elite offensive player. That should never happen. That that should happen to to guys who worry about mechanics and worry about what they're trying to do. So, did I did I answer anything that you asked there? Because I again, it seems like the same question I asked 
I've asked a couple of and times. And I'm not real sure how to answer it. Like there's a, you know, again, no, I'm with you. He's, he's late. And it will be, okay, here's what I'll say. Ask me after the Yankees series. The Yankees know how to get him out. Talk to me after that. There ain't no question. Mm-hmm. In off the plate with sinkers, away off the plate with sliders. There ain't no question. Vladdy, you're getting it. Talk to me after that. Kevin Biggio, what have you noticed different about him at the plate? You said you thought he was standing a little more erect. I think he's eliminated the leg kick which has allowed him to use his backside a little bit more, drive down and through the baseball. Uh, through his swing, he is an analytics dream. That bent upper half through your swing, creating giant loft with the barrel, and you're trying to time that up and catch that out front sort of with your barrel way below your hands, and that's just not you're not just not capable because you don't have elite bat speed to time that up all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I think you are seeing him. He's made an effort to try and level that out, get it in the strike zone sooner, and just have a little bit more level swing to it where, you know, it's still like this because he, he's a left-hander and he has natural uppercut in his swing. But it's not like yeah, way below where it's, you know, barrel's almost down towards your knees, which is, yeah, you know, it's very hard to hit where he wants to hit because now the league's, seen exactly what I'm seeing, and they they elevate the heater, which is real hard to do that, but give him credit. Like, he knows what now is going to keep him on a good team. Doesn't have to hit 280. If he hits 220 and can get on base like the stats that you read here before and, we started and, talking and play, about it. And play some defense. Decent defense where if the ball's hit to you, that guy's got to be out. Yeah. And you're going to be at first base and the footwork and all the things that go around the bag of how you handle throws. He looks like he belongs there. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You have a place on this team. So give him credit. He's, for me anyway, I, I like him on a team. I think he he brings value. I just think he's, you know, a, a, a you know, well, we love to take about, talk about that clubhouse thing. So they seem to like him there. And his performance is starting to grow. It gets back to the raw stripling thing and the conversation that he had about there's expectations when it comes to, I went to, from the Dodgers, which it's every day you show up, there is no excuses. It's about winning. Blue Jays are there now. So when you're the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th guy, however many guys are on your on your team, it is about winning. It's about performing at that level and not hurting your team. And I do believe Kevin went home and looked in the mirror and said, I got to do a little something to keep myself in the big leagues. And now I think you're starting to see that. Yeah, he's I, – I don't – I wouldn't say he's a different hitter since he's come up, mm. come back from AAA. But you – he seems to be more of – more of a threat. There seems to be more. Your 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 sense is that something positive could happen when he's at the plate, and I didn't get that sense before with him. I I you kind of knew exactly what he was going to give you, and we've talked about it. Look, if he can just if he can settle in that ninth spot and be on base for George Springer coming up, all he's got to do is yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, if you're gonna be Kevin Biggio, play good defense, get some walks. Get the uh, the odd double. He's a tremendous base runner too. He cuts corners, smart. He gets, yes, he, he gets is. great jumps. He gets uh, he gets a big enough lead and a great secondary lead. Yeah. He can go first to home. He's not the great, you know. He's not the fastest runner in baseball. And further to your point too, I think offensively now 
pitcher has to do more than just elevate the heater to him. Mm-hmm. That's that's further to your point. So that's a great eye that you've had. Now that he's made him at least think about, okay, it's just not this. I'm going to lay off of that sometimes, yeah. at least early in counts. And now you have to do a little something different. And you know as well as anybody, when a, when a pitcher starts aiming baseballs and really trying to get it to go where they want it to go instead of pitching it or throwing it over there, they tend to hang it like yesterday. That that lefty was faced good lefty. Like that yep. slider's hard Move to ball. hit. Yes, and that's, is. oh, oh, get me over. He's looking for something spinning. He gets it out. He doesn't overswing, stays in the big part of the field, creates some backspin. I like Kevin. I've always liked Kevin, but there comes a time in, in guys' careers where they got to say, got to perform. I ex- absolutely. Uh, it is Monday, so that means it is time for our regular segment in the East where we take a look around the American League East on the weekend. We've also got a pair of tickets to give away to see the Yankees on June 19th. This is a, uh, this is a, big weekend in the AL East or big week in the AL East. I, it's, it's significant. Let's put it that way. There's uh, there's an opportunity here for the Yankees. There's an opportunity here for the Jays. There's an opportunity for the Rays. And I got to tell you something. If you take a look at their schedule, there's an opportunity for the Red Sox as well. So there's lots of opportunity ahead for everybody. And we'll take the opportunity to take a look around the East when we come back. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be joined by Ben Wagner later on the show. He is, of course, the radio voice of the Blue Jays. Ahead of the first of four games between the Jays and the Baltimore Orioles tonight at the Rogers Center. Later on, we'll have Blue Jays tickets to give away for the June 18th game against the New York Yankees. But this being a Monday, it's time for... In the East. I always expect more than just in the East. It's enough. It is. But I, always, I always expect I always expect a just, a, just a little more. Just a little more out of it. Ah, I don't know why. I just I just do. Well, you know, stop us if you've heard this before when it comes to the AL East. Um I, let's let's be clear, it ceased being early a long, 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 long time ago mm-hmm. in the division as the uh Yankees rolled to their stranglehold on first place. I mean the Yankees are winning at a clip that uh, we've seen maybe five times in the last 50, 60 years or so. And uh, you've got to think for the Yankees with three games against the Tampa Bay Rays starting tomorrow, followed by three games here against the Yankees, or I'm sorry, against the Blue Jays, you've got to think the Yankees are well aware of the damage they could wreak. Uh, I'm not going to say they could put, put the division to bed, but they could come pretty damn close to doing it with a good run. Uh, with a good run this week. And, uh, well, they set the table for that with an 18-4 win over the Chicago Cubs yesterday in which Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter collected seven RBI, raised his average in the 10 games since he joined the Yankees to 333 and put his OPS someplace over 1.200. Now, those of us of a certain age will remember how when the Yankees won those World Series in the late 1990s to 2000s. 
they always seem to have a guy. We've talked about this. They had a guy who made good on a chance at winning a title with, you know, the core of the Jeters, the Williamses, the Posadas, and, 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 and the Riveras. There was always, there was a kind of a David Justice or somebody like that who would be brought in and would contribute mightily to a world title. Well, you got to wonder whether Matt Carpenter could be that guy for this team. And I'll tell you what, the his manager, Aaron Boone, he sure likes what he sees from him. It's been such a joy to be around since he's got here. You know, a guy with his track record, a guy with his resume, a guy that's had his career that's just come in here and... You know, you can tell every day just excited to be here and uh, has has jumped right in with those guys and, and become a huge part of this. And 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 in the opportunities that he's 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 gotten, he's obviously taken full advantage of and really excited that he's on our team. Yeah, he has certainly been a welcome addition hitting in the middle. Kevin hitting in the middle of the best lineup in baseball. Um, hey, can Good on him for taking advantage of that opportunity. Absolutely. He's the opposite of Big Daddy Hack. If any kid wants to watch a guy that's that's nice, smooth, short, and quick to the baseball, it's Matt Carpenter. And, you know, it takes sometimes a little punch in the gut to go down and figure things out and come back to a contending team that's expectations are high. It's, you've got to hit the ground run. You don't have a little window to, to, to struggle here. But who could have thought that he would have had in, in 10 games 12 RBIs and had eight hits and six of those would have been – with Ben Backleg Cities, he's he's been something special, and I'm with you. Just sometimes it's that little guy that you don't expect to come in and do some things that does a lot of things and takes you to a whole different level. The Rays uh, they beat the Minnesota Twins six to nothing yesterday. They have a day off going into the series against the Yankees. They are 34 and 25, nine back, and uh, well. Uh, Kevin Cash, this team's, you know, the Yankees or the Rays continue to have issues. Andrew Kittredge is down now. They can, it's, it's, it seems if, if it isn't one thing, it's another thing with the Rays. They keep hanging in there. As I mentioned, they're 35 and 25. They've got an off day. And uh, you don't need me to tell you that this is a big series. Listen to Kevin Cash. Head into the off day, going into, you know, a, a, an early big series against New York. Ideally, you, you come off feeling a little bit better yourself, about yourself. We, we hadn't the last couple uh, couple days. Early big series. I mean, that is, that's a way to put it. It's, uh, you, somebody's got to, somebody's got to kind of bring the Yankees back to, back to the rest yeah, of the division. Yeah, Jalen Beeks and, and Jason Adams in, in the bullpen. Who, what? Like, it's just yeah. certain guys that they go to that you've never heard of or, or you would think wouldn't play a giant role with a team that does what the Tampa Bay Rays do. You know, Kevin Cash, for me, is is right up there with the best managers in baseball just by quietly being able to call his team out. Mm-hmm. When his team is not living up to what he expects their, their team to live up to, he comes out and basically says it without saying yeah. it, and that's an art. And for him to be able to do that, like the defensive woes that they've had and you know, without coming out and really saying that dudes need to clean it up. Like, enough's enough. This is not the way we do it here. He's a special manager. Yeah, and it, it was a, uh, yeah, every win's a good win, but you could tell catching a bit of that game yesterday, Randy Rosarena gets hit by a couple of pitches. I mean, he he almost single-handedly tried mm-hmm. to win a game. He played like his hair was on fire. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier comes through with the home run. Dude, and, man, choi has been good in June. He's, he's got 11 RBI, yeah. so there's... Again, it just that, that's sort of the Rays' way. Like it's that how nobody has any idea. They just always do it. 
Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, you want to talk about a team that is positioning itself very quietly. They went 8-2 and two on their West Coast trip, beating the Mariners and Robbie Ray yesterday, although Robbie Ray looked a lot better than he has the rest of the year. They went 8-2 and two on the West Coast. They're three and a half back of the Rays, four back of the Jays, 12 and a half behind the Yankees. They have a June schedule that gives them a chance to catch up to the Jays. They play the Jays. They've also got the Athletics and Tigers coming in. So this is an opportunity to make up ground for a team that has finally emerged offensively has tightened up its pitching and don't look now, but the Boston Red Sox, if you look at their defensive numbers recently, they have become one of the steadier defensive teams in the league. A road trip to go to go eight and two out uh, here. Especially this game, you know, last uh, last night, I think Whoa. we were able to win this game because we were disciplined last night. By the man, clean it. The group decided not to use Tanner, you know, and then we pushed some guys and gave us a chance to win yesterday. And and then the guys that we we took care of yesterday, they came in today and did an amazing job. And uh, you know, from from Abby in AAA, you know, uh, helping Cutter uh, finding his thing, and then you know what Bushy and Walk and. Uh, <clears throat> Tech do on a daily basis. Today was great. Today was great. Uh, you know, coming to the ballpark, I didn't know what to expect. You know, uh, and and uh, to go eight and two, I think it was, is is amazing. You know, uh, the West Coast is always tough, especially here, man. Like, I think the last two series here have been very close, right? Last year, towards the end, and this one, they have a good baseball team, and uh, to be able to do uh, to to do this was 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 good. Reset tomorrow, off day, enjoy the families, and be ready for Tuesday. Yeah, the Red Sox getting help from a whole bunch of people in terms of their pitching. Mm-hmm. And pitching is still, it's a complete schmozzle. I mean, it's its completely messed up. But, man, they hit. Rafael Devers is, is unconscious. They hit, and as I said, they've they have been playing some good defense. Yeah, too. if I ask you who, who has the best ERA in June in baseball, would you would you tell me you th- you would have thought it would have been the Red Sox at two point one zero? No. Now obviously sometimes you, you you oops and fall on the right part of the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know the the A's and the Angels in Seattle who's not playing the greatest of baseball, but but Seattle's got a good lineup. You, you're gonna have to go there in that big ballpark and keep them in the big part of the field and make some quality pitches when you have to with runners in scoring position. And Alex Cora is one of those guys that just seems to. All the people that he plays for want to want to be around him yep. and want to play hard for him. And oh, by the way, they got that guy that plays third base, who's an MVP candidate every season that he goes to the plate. And I don't know if you saw the 0-2 pitch that he hit for the, the go-ahead home run to left field. It wasn't a different area code. And for that bat-to-ball skills to be able to do those kind of things with his lower half, I we don't talk about him enough. We should probably talk about it more. Just the things he does offensively, and he's better defensively this year which will tell you he's putting emphasis on that because he wants to, mm-hmm. you know, if he could play third instead of first, oh, that yeah. adds a little extra year, maybe two years to that Absolutely. deal that he might get. So, you know, again, this this only going to put more pressure on Ross Atkins because this team been in the mix, you mentioned it like midway through what you were saying about their pitching, their bullpen. Well, they need to be bullpen arms too. What mm-hmm. the Blue Jays need? Oh, it's so that be. competition between GMs, well, we're going to find out who the best GM in baseball are, especially in the American League East, because now they're bunched up. And it's sort of everybody except the Yankees, and even the Yankees now need some more power arms. Yeah, but Who's going to go out and get the best arms? We didn't mention the Orioles. They're in town for the first of a four-game series. And uh, you'll, you'll get a chance to see Adley Rushman, which is going to be kind of cool. You've got two of the best catching prospects in the game. 
But uh, the biggest story involving the Orioles uh, this weekend was off the field, actually. The Baltimore Sun reporting that the Angelos family is in the middle of a dispute uh, over ownership, or I should say over, yes, I guess, control of the family's estate. That includes the Baltimore Orioles. And as part of the Baltimore Sun's reporting, we discovered that the Orioles have been up to sa- up for sale for a couple of years, <laughs> something nobody really talked about. And uh, that uh, has the potential to, well, it has the potential to be an issue for the Orioles. They're at a stage where at some point they're probably going to have to start investing in their major league roster again. They've got, they've got some good young players coming up. They've also, they're in the middle of getting the state of Maryland to mm-hmm. fork over $1.2 billion to fix up the area around the ballpark. I mean, we're, it's a bad time to have ownership that's, it's a bad time to have ownership we, that's splintered. We, we, we've talked about how much the Blue Jays have to overpay to get free agents here. How much would you have to overpay a free agent to go to Baltimore? Oh, my God. Uh, that That's when, it's just, I I just, now now an offensive player, if you're right-handed, you see that they moved the porch back in left field and made it further away. You can't even see it. Yeah. I know it's taller, but if you're a right-handed hitter, they don't have a lot of things going in the right direction in Baltimore and Again, this gets back to when you're facing the Orioles and you're the Blue Jays, and you're 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 getting them four games, and you're, they don't already have really good pitching. It's time to get the old front foot down and get it singing, Jeff. Uh, so that's our look at the AL East. Well done. And as we mentioned, the uh, you nailed that. The Yankees. Yeah, considering the fact that I got in late today. Uh, you were here at the same time as you always are. <sighs> Just had too much work to do today and yesterday. But anyhow. Work is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't complain. Can't complain about that. Uh, wanted to ask you this. Robbie Ray yesterday, I mentioned, and I got a column up on sportsnet.ca, and I talk a little bit about this in my notes column. Robbie Ray at his best outing as a member of the Seattle Mariners yesterday. Didn't win, mm-hmm. but it was far and away his mm-hmm. best outing. Robbie Ray, halfway through his previous start against the Houston Astros started to throw a two-seam fastball, something he hasn't thrown. Mm. And he said something he hasn't thrown since 2016. Um, and it's it's been effective for him sure. in, in, in the two starts that, that he's used it. So much so, and I'll give you the, the breakdown, Kevin. I found this intriguing, knowing what we know about Robbie Ray. Um, Sunday, he threw his two-seamer 48% of the time. Wow. I'm sorry, he threw his, threw his two-seamer, right, his sinker, two-seamer 48% of the time, mm-hmm. his four-seamer 29% of the time. Up until two starts ago, it had been flipped. The four-seamer had sure. been thrown 48% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it surprise you? No. No, it's like the Kevin Gosman thing. Now, now the word's out that this is what you do. You elevate the hater, you throw the split finger down. You don't like throwing the split finger for strikes. So if, good, if I'm a good hitter and I know this going in, what am I going to look for? I'm going to make sure the ball's up. It gives me a chance anyway because the split finger is very hard to make solid contact with. So if I can, I'm just not going to swing at it. I'm going to take it because he doesn't want to throw it for strikes. He's told everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robbie Ray's no different. He's a two-pitch guy, and he likes to go in. He likes to expand in. He likes to elevate with two strikes, and he'll throw the back foot slider. Okay? You did that. You've seen him do that, and you've, he's done that in the best division in baseball and dominated that division, and now the word's out this. What he does doesn't surprise me that 
guys have to make adjustments. The leagues has adjusted to one of his two pitches, and maybe he's overthrowing the heater early in the season. He's not commanding that the way he was, and now that puts a little bit more pressure on the secondary pitch. He's only got one of them. So if, if one's not working, and now you got to go to another one and abuse, and abuse that, that even makes the, you know a decent hitter that much better. So this doesn't surprise me. It more surprises me that it took this long. Why did it take so long? Uh, it rolls that back around to who's the greatest pitching coach? Yeah. You, you watch, just watch, watch how quickly the adjustments are made when something ain't going right for a guy standing on the mound for the Blue Jays. And look how long it takes Robbie Ray. Now Robbie Ray's a little different because he got paid. You know, we talked about bias. We talked to AJ Hinch about how do you have the conversation of stop expanding. Five years, one hundred and fifteen million. Yeah. Well, you know, bias is going to go. Hey, dude, <laughs> you know how much I just signed for? So zip it. It's very hard conversation to have. Robbie Ray's no different. And this might be a why it, it, it took so long for them to to make a little bit, you know, a bigger of a change. But it doesn't surprise me. This is what you do at the big league level. When hitters have made an adjustment to you, you try to make an adjustment and combat that, and this is what he's trying to do. And hopefully for Seattle and Seattle fans, he hurries up because he ain't been real good. Yeah. And they're praying him to be not good, great. Yeah, and, and you've got, you know, you've got a GM there who kind of, who's not afraid to do odd things. And um, mm-hmm. I, I would think if you're the Seattle Mariners, you're kind of staring at a window of opportunity. Uh, a window of opportunity. They got a really good right offense now. too. If they're yeah, they really can do. catch up. There's, Ty, Ty France is legit. There's a, there's He's legit. There's really a, there's really a lot going on with that team. Like, we don't you know we don't think that much about the Mariners. I mean they're they're generally not in the front of mind, but there's a lot going on with that team when you watch them play. Like them and I have to admit them they and the Minnesota Twins have been watching the Minnesota Twins was was really an eye opening experience for me when they were in Toronto. I love their approach. It's so different. It's a little bit like the Guardians. It's different from what you see around the rest. They're tough of outs. Baseball, yes, they are. But uh, anyhow, so we hope we wish Robbie Ray success. I'd like sure. to see Robbie Ray do well. Uh, I would like to see him do well in Seattle. But I, I found mm-hmm. that intriguing. That uh, eleven games in, and he he says, "Look, we had a huddle uh, half before the second. I believe it was before the second or third inning during a game in Houston. Pitching coach, catcher." and uh manager and himself and and i just told them i said what, what i'm doing isn't working i'm mm-hmm. getting hit so two seamer that he has give him credit that's not probably not, especially against the astro it's not an easy adjustment no. to make and you're left-handed facing a, a bunch of right-handed hitters in that crawford box that little short porch and you you know you, you haven't done enough digging into that i would assume that it's not as hard as his heater you know it's it's more of a if, if the location has to be good his misses have to be great with a two seamer that's take the sting out of the bat. That's not a, a punch out pitch. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful how much you use it and when you use it and where you're using it. And so give him credit that he actually raised his hand and being like, dude, this ain't working. Let's change it up. Give him credit for that. Uh, we mentioned that we have tickets to give away to see the Blue Jays and Yankees. We will do that in the uh, in the next segment of the show. Uh, ben Wagner will join us. He is the radio voice of the Blue Jays as we get set for the uh, four-game series against the Orioles. I mentioned it's Adley Rutschman for the Orioles, Gabriel Moreno for the Jays, two of the top-catching prospects in baseball. We've always talked about 
wanting to not wanting to show up the other guy, but the, kind of the competition within the game. Mm-hmm. You think these two guys are aware of who will be aware that each I'm sure other's not, across not the to, field? Not today, Kirk. I'm sure he'll be catching Manoa today. That won't be an issue. Right. But I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's. I'm top five prospect. You were basically the number one prospect. You're supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to be it. Cats meow. Uh, yeah, there's a look at me. I'm better than you. There's a little bit of that, but it gets back to when the allure wears off that you've made it to the big leagues. I've been through this, and now it's sort of you know they're not there yet. But it's you. You got to go out there and perform. You got to have quality at bats. You got to do things behind the plate. You got to be able to get through get a pitcher through some tough times. How does that look? You know, mm-hmm. is the pitcher confident enough in you to call a game? Ross Stripling said no. After the game, he said, I had to shake off a bunch of times. We'll tell you that they're sort of not there quite just yet. And yeah, it's, it's again, these are, you, you want as many athletic position players as you can possibly get on your team. Moreno's very athletic and you can't teach that. No. I, you can teach a, a lot of other things. You can teach hand placement and why are you wasting hand motion offensively? You can't teach him to be more athletic and. That's that's I'm guessing that's ninety percent of the battle. Rushman's hitting uh, well under two hundred uh, since he's showing up with the uh, Orioles. And, he's a big uh, dude. Big dude screams big holes. Dude. Hitting one seventy nine, but eighteen strikeouts, five walks. I don't know if this means anything. He's averaging something like four point two, four point three pitches per plate appearance. So, I I mean that's an easy way for the Orioles to go. But look. He's getting out. And he's but making he's hard <laughs> Ben Wagner's the radio voice of the Jays. He'll join us next. And I have tickets to give away. All that ahead and blur and barker for a Monday on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.